Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Have you ever wondered who might be behind the voices of our smart assistants and how those voices are made? This week, we'll be talking about that. We'll meet Susan Bennett whose voice was used to create the original female English language Siri voice. We'll speak with her about her experiences as a voice artist, actress, and musician, what it was like to create the voice for Siri, how she found out that she was the voice behind Siri, and how it changed her career. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Susan Bennett. You know, as we move along in life and in our careers, we're going to run into obstacles. We're going to run into things that are unexpected and perhaps may not seem to be positive uh, in our life. And all I can say is uh, embrace it, figure out a way to spin it to the positive for yourself and move on. That's what I learned from Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and your experience with Siri is also an example of running into an unexpected positive that, you know, who who thought you'd get famous from providing artificial voices? I didn't consider fame positive because I'm an introvert. So I was not really interested in fame. And that was one of the reasons that it took me so long to reveal myself. So I thought, can I deal with this? Do I want to deal with this? So it was a good life lesson. It was. I think the life lesson is don't be afraid to step out of that proverbial comfort zone. <laughs> because when you do, it seems like the universe always helps you, you know, do that scary thing. Great. And that's sort of the point of this show, why we do this show, to sh- show visually impaired people around the world that they can do a lot more than they think they might be able to do if they just step out and take a chance sometime. Yep. You know, we all have different personalities and a lot of people you know, react differently to certain challenges. You know, some people, if you say to them, don't do this, you can't do this, you can't, they just, you know, rise up and go, oh, yes, I can. And then other people go, oh, well, gee, maybe he's right. (laughs) So, you know, you just have to try to find that inner strength to to make the move that's going to push you forward. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by The Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2019 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu slash nvc. And if you'd like to find out about having an audio promotional item for your organization or service appear in the show, send a note to us at hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Let's start by meeting Susan. Susan, can you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Hello. I am the voice of Siri. Actually, my name is Susan Bennett, and I'm the original voice of Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you're not offended, but we had Samantha introduce us at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, she's a good friend. (laughs) Oh, good. 
<laughs> well, since I'm blind and I use JAWS as one of my synthesizers, and uh, I most, mostly use the electronic voice, the kind of computerized eloquence voice, but they do a great job with some of the real speech voices these days. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do for a living and... Well, uh, I'm technically a singer, a keyboard player, and a voice actor. And thanks to good old Siri, I'm also a speaker. And I do a lot of Siri appearances and speaker events all over the country. And even uh, in some other countries. I, I had a job in Croatia last year, so that was pretty interesting. Oh, wow. And that's all related to talking about being Siri or doing that experience? That's what the speaker event is about, because uh, I talk about how the recordings were done, what the phrases were like that I had to read that ultimately became the voice of Siri. And I talk about the voiceover business because essentially I never would have been the voice of Siri had I not already been a voice actor. And so I talk about that and I do a few different voices to illustrate you know, what some of the the, uh, the jobs that voice actors have. And then the last part is about how being the voice of Siri affected me and how it was uh, quite a, a life lesson for me. Oh, great. Well, maybe we can get to some of that in a little bit. You certainly sounded like Siri in the beginning there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is how Susan got to be the voice behind Siri and her experiences both creating the voice and subsequently. So tell us a little bit about how you got into voice acting. What was your start? Well, I had been a jingle singer in the 70s and 80s, even into the 90s. And back in the day, you could actually have a career doing that. I used to do that several times a week. And sometimes I would be singing lead vocal. Other times I'd be singing with a group. And one day I had sung with a group. And, of course, I can't remember the particular product that we were uh, selling in this commercial. But we did a jingle. And at the end, the voice actor didn't show up to read the copy for the spot or the written part of the spot. So the owner of the studio said, Susan, you don't have an accent come over here and read this copy. And I did. And a little bell went off in my head and ding, 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 I can do this. And so uh, it came very easily to me. So I got a voice coach and then shortly after a talent agent. And I've been doing voiceovers ever since. And that has been several decades ago. Wow. So you mentioned that you don't have an accent and you don't. You speak standard English, but you grew up in the Boston, Massachusetts area, which has a very distinctive accent. And yes. you're now living in the Atlanta, Georgia area, which has right. a very different distinctive accent. Yes. How did you learn to turn on and off these various accents? Well, I was fortunate that my parents moved to upstate New York when I was in the sixth grade. I had a very thick Boston accent at that point. And uh, in upstate New York, they have a fairly neutral accent, comparatively speaking. They have that broad A sound, which you get when you go more towards the Midwest, Chicago type of accent, but it's not very pronounced. It's quite neutral. So for the years that I lived there from, you know, I, I went there from junior high and high school. Uh, during that period of time, I lost that accent, which was very fortunate for someone who is going to ultimately be a, be a voice actor, uh, because as a voice actor, it's wonderful to be able to do a lot of different accents. 
but it's not good to have one regional accent that you can't speak without. So it was very fortunate that I that I lost my New England accent. And then uh, I've been in Atlanta for a very long time. And I do just try to be as neutral as possible because it's part of my job, you know. So I really try not to fall into the <laughs> fall into any of the colloquialisms or the regional accents that are around here. You said that you started out singing jingles in the 70s. Were you trained as a musician? Uh, I did study music, and I've been playing the piano since I was four. I'd play by ear. And uh, I did study music for many years and thought I was going to major in, in music at Brown, but I ended up not doing that. Uh, but music is a huge part of my life. It can be fun. I enjoy music, too, but mostly on the side. <laughs> I was a physicist in real life. But oh, okay. I used to have a jazz trio up in Rochester, New York. It was a lot of fun to play at senior facilities, jazz standards yeah. of the 30s and 40s. I take it a lot of voice actors have some kind of musical background. Is that right? Yes, I think you find that a lot of uh, voice actors come from music. They also come from being a DJ. Um, a lot of people come, you know, are actors as well. Because I think one of the reasons that it's a natural progression to go from music to voiceover is that when you're reading copy, many times you have to utilize the rhythm. There's a rhythm that you speak with uh, for, for doing certain scripts. Mm -hmm. And so having a musical background certainly helps with that. It's not easy to read some of these things, especially for extended times. I had an experience in graduate school. I'm blind. And while I was reading for some of my physics books to be recorded, some of my colleagues decided, oh, I can read a physics book for you and found out that after half an hour reading, it was pretty tough. How do you kind of get over that? Is that difficult or is that part of your training? Well, the only really long-form things that I've ever done are some narrations and, of course, the IVR work, IVR work that uh, became the voice of Siri. That was very, very tedious uh, work, and it lasted for four hours a day, five days a week for an entire month. Wow. I hope you got some breaks. Oh, I did. I, I, I took quite a few breaks, and when I did some updates a couple of years later— um, I said uh, only two hours a day because otherwise the thing that made it difficult is, you know, DJs and people like that talk for four hours, a, you know, and sometimes more, but they're using the different pitches of their voice and, you know, they go up and down like this and, you know, um, take breathers and take breaks. But for the recordings that I did that became Siri, I had to read these uh, very strange sentences that were created just for sound. And each sentence had to be read exactly alike because the sounds needed to be consistent for the concatenation process. Now, concatenation is when technicians, programmers go into the recordings that were done, extract sounds, reform these sounds into new phrases and sentences. These are what end up on our devices. And so recording them, each phrase had to be the same pacing, the same tone, the same pitch. And every word had to be very articulately expressed because they had to go in and, and separate sounds, you know. So you had to be very, it's, it was very exacting work and, and uh, it was a little bit tough on the vocal cords just because of the, the amount of work done in, in, you know, in one day. And what does IVR stand for? Interactive Voice 
response. And that's basically this process that you were describing of reading all of these strange sentences just to get the right phonemes. That kind of refers to any of what we do with uh, Siri, Alexa, Cortana, whoever. It's, it's interactive voice response, that the name given to the recordings and the name given to the, to the scripts, because these scripts were very, very different from any other script I'd ever read. Did it take some practice ahead of time? No. Because you said there were strange sentences. Well, yeah, there were some strange sentences. Cow hoist in the tub hut today. Militia oi hallucinate. Bakra okra ooze. <laughs> and you can hear from those sentences. They made no sense at all. They weren't created for meaning, just for sound. So you can hear it, say, in the phrase, schist fresh issue today. You could hear the different S's, S sounds combining in that set, in that phrase. And so uh, this went on for a very long time. So the, apparently there are lots and lots and lots of sound combinations in our <laughs> language. <laughs> oh, there are. So when you were doing these recordings, did you know what the end product was going to be? Or you just knew that you were doing recordings that were going to be used to create some synthetic voice? No, we didn't know anything about that. Um, I've talked to other uh, original Siri voices. I was the original English voice worldwide. But, of course, there were other original Siri voices speaking different languages in different countries. So we all basically had the same experience. We thought we were just recording generic sounds for phone systems. You know, we had no idea uh, what Siri was. When, When I found out that my voice was Siri's voice, it was a complete and utter surprise. And how did you find out? A fellow voice actor emailed me and said, uh, on October 4th, 2011, when Siri first appeared, he said, uh, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went on the Apple site and listened and said, yep, that's my voice. Wow, what a surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So now you hear yourself all the time? I do, but I was used to hearing myself on radio and TV commercials and that sort of thing. But now it's, you know, my voice is pretty much ubiquitous. It's everywhere. (laughs) It's interesting, though, when you introduced yourself as Siri, you really sounded distinctively like Siri. You can sort of hear it in your voice now, but you Mm -hmm. sort of did something different to your voice to make you sound like Siri. Well, I just lowered the voice. I lowered the pitch a little bit and maybe spoke not quite so conversationally. Ah, I see. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing how you can go in and out of (laughs) your regular voice and your mechanical voice. Well, that's part of being a voice actor. Most of us are freelancers, and we have to audition for all the work that we get. So it's to our benefit to be as versatile as possible, to be able to make as many sounds as possible, and to have different accents and uh, even different characters that we can portray. So just to give our listeners an idea of what kind of range of accents and characters you play, could you give us a quick list? Uh, Well, uh, how about the Evil Queen? Hello. I'm very happy to talk with you today. I wish I could be there with you, and then I could cast my evil spell on you. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's uh, the little elf, Star. Hi, my name is Star. I live up at the North Pole with Santa and Mrs. Claus. (laughs) Would you like to come visit me there sometime? (laughs) That's terrific. And how about Madame Francesca, fortune teller? 
Ah, come in. I read crystal ball for you. Ah, I see. You will meet tall, dark stranger. So do you put on all these voices when you read books to your children or whatever youngsters you have in your life? My son is 42, so those days are gone. Grandchildren? Uh, No, not yet, unfortunately. But I use a lot of those different voices during my Siri presentations because, well, years ago when I first started in voiceover, people didn't really know what voiceover was. Now it's become a pretty big deal. Everyone's trying to be a voice actor. And so people know a little bit more about it now. But it's entertaining to hear all these different voices. So that's one of the, one part of my presentation. So how does one learn all of this? What is your training to be able to do these things? And how do you keep it all in shape? Well, a lot of it's just practice. A lot of it is just uh, being able to hear well. And just uh, not everybody that's a voice actor can imitate, you know, sounds. And, and very few people can completely imitate actual people. So it's just something that you you work on. And uh, as far as taking care of your voice, you just, you do have to do that. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, how healthy you are to begin with. Um, But taking care of the voice is important not to overstress it and uh, to keep away from food and drink that's bad for you. No smoking at all, of course. And uh, it's different for each individual person, really. But you do have to kind of take care of it because it'll go away if you're not careful. (laughs) Well, I was thinking even with athletes, you know, they exercise to keep their muscles in shape. Musicians exercise their fingers if they play the piano. And there's got to be the corresponding things for taking care of your voice. Well, yes, actually, it's it's harmful not to use it, too. It's, you know, it's harmful to use it too much, especially if you're not using it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's not very helpful not to use it at all. So somewhere in, in the nice in-between there. Do you still perform as a musician these days? Yes. Yes, my husband and I are with a band called Boomers Gone Wild. <laughs> we play um, 60s and 70s rock and soul music, and uh, he's a fabulous guitar player and singer. And I uh, play keyboard and keyboard bass and sing. And uh, it's a five-piece band, and we just we have a great time. Wow. You play mostly in the Atlanta area, or do you travel around? No, we don't really travel. It, it's kind of a fun, it's a hobby band at this point, because we had a um, a private party band for close to 25 years. And uh, yeah. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. So this one is just for fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are there any special experiences or stories from recording the Siri voice that come to mind? Not really. As I said, it was a pretty tedious procedure. You know, of course, sometimes we would laugh about, you know, some of the things that that were in the script. Um, And when I did updates, which I think was mostly for, I believe, the GPS side of whatever I was recording for. And the noteworthy thing about that was that I was being directed by a person with the Nuance Corporation. They're the people that we did the work for. And then Apple got our voices from Nuance. And the director and I would end up guessing on so many pronunciations. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, you guys are like a $2 billion corporation. (laughs) You couldn't get an intern to look up these. And we were guessing at all these things. For instance, if we had uh, a street name that sounded Spanish or Hispanic, Latin, we would see what state it was in. If it was in Massachusetts, we would give it an anglicized pronunciation. And if it were, say, in New Mexico or Texas, we would give it 
uh, a Spanish pronunciation. And all this time, I'm just thinking, can't you guys really? You guys can't afford to, buy, you know, hire somebody to <laughs> right. look this stuff up. <laughs> yeah, how funny. Yeah. Well, that's a good start, but that's not a guarantee of getting it right. There are towns in Colorado where we live, which, of course, Colorado is how Americans pronounce it, but not the original Spanish pronunciation. Oh, not all Americans say Colorado. Most Americans say Colorado. That's strictly a Colorado thing. <laughs> right. But there are towns called Salida and Buena Vista. And oh, heaven yeah. help you, you try to pronounce them with the correct Spanish pronunciation because right. then everybody thinks you're really nuts. Yeah, that's pretty weird. <laughs> So you talked about this process in the early 2000s, taking four hours a day for about a month, and it sounds like a very tedious, long, drawn-out process. Has the process changed at all for creating voices like that over the years? You know, I, um, I haven't done much of it recently. Um, I really kind of had my fill. They wanted to put me under a contract for five years, and I said, no, I think I've lost enough gray matter already. Oh um, it's very, very tedious stuff. And I and I just, it's not creative at all. It's just strictly hard work. And um, I had done it for a number of years. And so I, I stopped doing it. I would have to say now that it's so far into, you know, then I mean, I did my recordings in 2005. And so, you know, that's almost 15 years ago. And so certainly, I'm sure it's very, very different. Now that they have all of the basic sounds, I'm sure that a lot of it's just, you know, actually sentence spoken sentences updating things but i don't know for sure because i haven't done it for a while mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what kind of work are you primarily doing these days what kind of voiceover work well i do a lot of uh siri stuff and that was one of the reasons it took me a couple of years to reveal myself i was afraid it was going to impact my voiceover career and it sort of has um you know people tend to typecast you stereotype you and especially in this business they tend to typecast yeah. you mm -hmm. and so when they find out that i'm the voice of siri they go oh oh okay well that's all she can do and of course <laughs> if you go to my website susancbennett.com you can hear lots more than siri so what other of your voices might people be familiar with Oh, dear. Uh, well, I'm the voice of Delta Airlines Gates Worldwide. They have more than one female voice, though, so it's hard for me to tell you which one is mine. Maybe after talking to Siri so much, you will recognize it anyway. Basically, I used to just be on a lot of radio and TV commercials, and so there's nothing, you know, I, occasionally I'll pop up in a movie. I was the submarine voice in the movie The Meg. Wow. <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I pop up. A lot of different places these days. So it must be interesting, as you said, being the voice of Siri. I mean, I guess it can have both positive and negative impacts on your career. You know, people who want another synthetic voice might be a little reluctant to have you be their voice because it's like, oh, that's Siri. That's done by someone else or so. On the other hand, it's kind of that's Siri. We can have it, too. Yeah. Well, we have no, I have no way of measuring the impact that that's had on my career, mm -hmm. but I don't have to sound like Siri all the time. You know, <laughs> I could raise my voice and make my voice more casual, but I do still get a lot of requests for Siri-like characters. It's interesting. You did do some very good imitations of other characters that you wouldn't associate with Siri or your voice necessarily. Right. Well, that's part of being an actor. <laughs>
And here is an audio clip from Susan's website that she graciously allowed us to air on this show, including some examples of other places where you may have heard Susan's voice. I'm voice actor Susan Bennett, here today with one of my alter egos, Siri. Siri here. May I call you Siri? Call me Rock Goddess. Okay, Rock Goddess. Other than the iPhone and iPad, where have we heard your, uh, my voice? Did you see Mission Impossible 4? Four hours, 52 minutes. Delta Airlines gates worldwide. Thank you for choosing Delta Airlines. What about TV and radio? Searching the web for Siri, uh, Susan Bennett, voiceover. Chiquita, quite possibly the world's perfect food. You can have it all right now with the Accurate TSX. At Papa John's, we don't have to keep reinventing the pizza. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. Dow Bathroom Cleaner, starring Scrubbing Bubbles. Listen to 101.5 live at lightmiami.com. You were out the door in a flash, but you still got to pick up breakfast. So stop by Crystal and try the Express Breakfast Combo. Discovery has been on an extraordinary journey, taking viewers where they've never been. Wow, Siri, we're everywhere. We rock. And maybe you recognized some of those voices. Now for this week's final item, how to contact Susan Bennett. So if people wanted to learn more about you, you have a website, and what other contact information would you like to share? Well, you can find... Lots of information on the website, susancbennett.com. And uh, you can get my email address there if you want to contact me about uh, doing voiceover work. I put together a doc um, giving some advice uh, to people who want to get into the voiceover business. There are lots of you out there. Also, there's a speaker demo on there. I'm really trying to do a lot more of the speaker presentations. I really enjoy it a lot and get to travel, so that's very cool. And there's all kinds of radio and TV commercials and all kinds of of crazy things on the website. But you can also, for booking, you can contact my agents at Vox Inc. in Los Angeles. And that's Wes Stevens and Tom Lawless at Vox. And you can get their uh, website, their email information on my site as well. And certainly just Google it. Um, And then you can contact me on Twitter and Instagram at Seriously Susan. And Seriously is S-I-R-I-O-U-S-L-Y. And my Facebook page is Susan Bennett-Voice of Siri. Great. And for anybody listening in Atlanta, if they wanted you and your husband to play, can they do that? Absolutely. Yeah, send me an email and I'll write you right back. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. And remind people of the name of your band. Well, we have lots of different types of bands, but the main one that we're working with now is called Boomers Gone Wild. And we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. Also in the show notes, you'll find a previous episode where we talk with the developers at Nuance about how these voices are put together to make the speech synthesizers themselves. And that is episode 1717, if you're looking for it. That's it for show number 1916. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with Dan Parker, who lost his vision in a racing accident and now, being totally blind, 
builds and races both motorcycles and cars, and in addition participates in audible target shooting, which is slated to become a Paralympic sport, and he's on the initial development team for that, and also teaches machine shop to sighted high school students. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.